0: Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. This is not the homecoming I imagined. While I'm ecstatic that we are finally, finally hybrid, I've spent the last 19 months fantasizing about offering home hospitality to our distant Zoomers for a destination weekend in Boston, going apple picking, walking along the esplanade arm in arm with the beloved spiritual companions who have held us through this time, but whom we haven't met. I pictured us gathering for a Saturday night potluck and sing along and a Sunday morning pancake brunch culminating in a festival of worship. What I hadn't imagined is that we would reopen the sanctuary in the wake of more than 715,000 COVID deaths here in the United States, over 4.5 million deaths from COVID-19 in the world. Just saying those numbers out loud is a knife to the heart. That we would still be physically distanced and wearing masks, let alone humming into our masks, and unable to eat together never crossed my mind. In fact, there is absolutely nothing about this pandemic that ever crossed my mind. Kim has said it to me over and over, it's not just going away. We're going to have to learn to live with it. American poet Coleman Barks has been deeply influenced by the 13th century Persian mystic and poet Rumi. In his The Guest House, inspired by Rumi, his paraphrase, he wrote, this being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor welcome and entertain them all even if they are a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture still treat each guest honorably they may be clearing you out for some new delight the dark thought the shame the malice meet them at the door laughing and invite them in Be grateful for whoever comes, whatever comes, because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. I know it's too early to fully understand the lessons of this pandemic, but this is a good time to begin. Here's the phrase that surfaced in my prayers and meditation in these past weeks. We have not come this far to come only this far. So what has this pandemic come to teach us? So many things we'd rather not have known. For starters, how politics can hijack people into self-destruction. How little regard some of our society feels about the most vulnerable and the devastating effects of racial disparities. We've seen the fallout from a government that scorns science and the fault lines in our public health systems. But it's also teaching us powerful, positive lessons, all worthy of our learning. I'm thinking in particular of three lessons, strategies for living with uncertainty, the power of our resilience, and the invitation to experience everything as an opportunity to awaken spiritually. First, strategies for living with uncertainty. In Zen Buddhism, don't know mind is a very high state of mind. The spiritual practice of landing squarely in the present moment, moment to moment. Not allowing ourselves to be knocked off balance by looking forwards or backwards, it's very powerful. Yet, even after decades of Zen practice, it never occurred to me that don't know mind was about much more than being suspended in uncertainty for a few moments, or at worst, a few weeks. Obviously, it's occurred to me now. I have a very distinct memory from childhood when I first heard this lesson. My mother, who suffers from what was then called grand mal epilepsy, had been experiencing a lot of what are now called tonic-clonic seizures breaking through the barbiturate she'd been prescribed to control them and to which she had become addicted. Finally, she went to see a neurologist who asked her if she were under any particular stress and she said that yes, my father's behavior had become erratic at best and that she was frightened for the future. The doctor told her something that has stayed with me for over half a century now. He said, uncertainty is the most stressful state of being. Try to focus on things of which you are sure and let go of those you cannot control. This lesson is for all of us. We're all learning in an inescapable way that the present is our very best home. Find your breath and bring yourself into the present. We can do this together now. Find your breath and breathe. Yeah, stay with it. And you'll find that the shake has stopped. Just breathe. The present is a still point, a point where we can rest and recharge. We have not come this far to come only this far. A second lesson of the pandemic has been the power of our resilience. I know I am not alone in having wondered how we could possibly gather on Zoom, suspend our disbelief, and having feel meaningful or nourishing. Most of us are profoundly attached to life in a body and relating to one another in incarnate ways. We didn't have a choice, but that isn't the point. Gather on Zoom, we did and we do, and I, for one, have felt deeply connected to you, whether or not we've ever met in person. Your beloved faces, shining in your little Hollywood squares, have steadied me, upheld me, moved and inspired me 10,000 times. I love that we can see and hear each other clearly, that we wear our Zoom assigned name tags and have learned each other's names. I love that everyone gets a chance to speak and we rarely talk over each other. I love that our tech team figured it out and we all rose to the challenge. I am so proud of us. Early in the pandemic, I found that the extroverts were panicking and the introverts were rejoicing. As one of the panicking crowd, I listened carefully to those of you who are introverts explaining your solitary but not lonely rituals and your rich inner lives. I was determined to follow your lead. You helped me know it was possible to survive without 18 hours a day of human interaction. And then, as the isolation of the pandemic wore on and the second surge threatened, I found that even the introverts had had enough. Some of you began turning on your Zoom video for the first time. Some of you even joined a pod. It was a love fest. I see now that we are not as different as we might have imagined. Extroverts getting their energy from other people, introverts needing time alone to recharge, and that we have so much more to teach one another. This is the power of resilience. Even if you're feeling buffeted or battered by the pandemic right about now, know that you are resilient. Yale School of Medicine's neuropsychiatrist Dr. Fasharaki Zadeh says, I absolutely believe in resilience. Because we have this effective reservoir inherent in all of us, be it the product of evolution or our ancestors going through catastrophes, including wars, famines, and plagues, we have the means to deal with this crisis. The fact that you and I are speaking right now is the result of our ancestors having survived hardship. Resilience is part of our psyche. It's part of our DNA. We have not come this far to come only this far. And finally, a third lesson of the pandemic so far is the invitation to experience everything as the opportunity to awaken spiritually. There's a beautiful saying in Tibetan Buddhism, when the world is filled with evil, transform all mishaps into the path of enlightenment. When the world is filled with evil, transform all mishaps into the path of enlightenment. This begins with befriending our most exiled feelings, rage, hatred, powerlessness, grief. Rather than locking the door to the guest house and hunkering down inside, this transformation begins with the willingness to open the door, open the door to serene and chaotic and give them a home. Recently, Kem and I learned that our friend Mark is refusing to be vaccinated against COVID-19. His employer requires vaccinations. His delusion and stubbornness cost him his job. I've gone over and over it in my mind. What was the moment he slid over to the dark side without our ever knowing? How did he continue to spend time with us and among our neighbors and friends listening to people he loves and who love him discussing the miracle of the vaccine and cling to conspiracy theories from the swamp of the Reb and some fringe talk show host? I felt disbelief, anger, and revulsion. When I really dug in, I knew I also felt betrayed. How could he choose to leave us, I felt confused. And then at the thought of never seeing him again, at the very heart of it all, I felt sadness and grief, not just for him, but for all the people who are suffering from the poison of ignorance and for all those who suffer because of their suffering. No one wants to feel these feelings, none of them. But choiceless, I felt them and cycled through them, spiraling inward until I arrived at the heart of it all. I felt sorry for Mark, and then compassion, and then finally mercy. What a relief to know that I can't change his mind, but I don't have to exile him from my heart. I can open the door to the guest house that is my heart. Be grateful for whatever comes, because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. We have not come this far to come only this far. Today, as we gather, some Zooming, some here in person, distanced and masked, we can give each other courage and strength to open that door. The pandemic is far from over. What else does it have to teach us? You know now that's up to us. What I have carried forward from the last pandemic was the sole deep conviction that it would dishonor the dead, not to carry its lessons into the future. And so I'll close with one of the most important lessons from the AIDS years, a good one to remember today. Paul Richards was a big, blond, boyish Midwesterner with the energy and exuberance of a Labrador retriever. On his own initiative, with his Baptist heart, Paul recruited new church members to our congregation in Provincetown by inviting groups of six friends at a time to Sunday brunch in his beautiful Bayside condo. The hitch was that the invitation started with the church service at 11 o'clock. If you planned to eat, you had to meet Paul in his pew. He was shameless. He was charming. I'm remembering one particular late summer Sunday afternoon, the last wedding party of the day was being photographed on the sunny front lawn of the church under a cloudless sky. Paul popped in and said, my boat's at the pier. Let's go. I could see the Kaposi's sarcoma erupting on his left calf. I was exhausted, but I went. Paul motored way, way out into the bay until the leaning steeple of the church took its place in the town silhouette on the horizon. He threw the anchor and we sat in silence. From a distance, the dying and death, loss and grieving all took their place. And then Paul said to me, listen, even if it kills every single one of us, Even if there was no one left to tell the stories, it matters that we care for each other in all this madness. It matters that even in the face of death, we love each other well. Beloved spiritual companions, we have not come this far to come only this far. May we cultivate don't know mind, remembering that the present is our best home. We are resilient. It's part of our psyche. It's part of our DNA. When the world is filled with evil, may we transform all mishaps into the path of enlightenment, seek compassion and mercy, and open the door to the guesthouse of our hearts. It matters that we love each other well. I love you. Amen. And now for our benediction, I invite you to put your hands over your heart and namaste. I honor the divine in you. When the world is filled with evil, may we transform all mishaps into the path of enlightenment, seek compassion and mercy, and open the door to the guesthouse of our hearts. It matters that we love each other well. Let us keep this faith, beloveds, and pass it on. The service begins when the service ends. Bless your hearts. I love you. Amen.